This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support the Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. The Quest presents an encore presentation of Heaven's Light with Father Jim Blunt. listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160 The Quest. I'm Steph Ike, and I'm joined in the studio today by Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and we have, of course, Annie Porter at the board, and we'll be uh, having Father Jim Blunt from our from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity on with us in a moment. We're connecting with him right now. I want to uh, share a couple of things with you. Um, we just loaded a, um, a, a brand new um, version that's been done by Father Jim and the seminarians of the St. Michael the Archangel Chaplet, and we just had a chance to review it, and it's beautiful. So uh, if you would like to uh, have a listen, pray along with Father Jim and the seminarians, it's now available um, on the app under Prayers and Podcast. And of course, uh, online, I think it's coming online in the next day or two, uh, maybe even this evening under prayer resources. So I guess we've got Father Jim with us now. And Annie, I'll just let uh, throw it back to you because I know you want to make a mention about where Father is right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're if any, everyone listening, we are going to have possibly a slight delay in the phone line today because... We're just having that kind of trouble today. But Father Jim's all the way out in California, so clearly it's taken a minute to get to him. Mm -hmm. So if you hear a slight delay or if we might talk over each other slightly, we apologize, but we're doing the best we can today. (laughs) But hello, Father Jim. Hello, Annie. Hello, Jack and Carol and Stephanie. Hello, Father. Father. Hello, Georgia. (laughs) Hello, California. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, and actually, uh, this show is being listened to back in California where you are right now. So we have a lot of people listening in California and other states as well, but, uh, you know, predominantly Georgia, but lots of other states. So that's fun. Uh, Father, we want beautiful. Yes. Uh, and before we start to talk, I think we were going to talk a little bit about the uh, steps of forgiveness that you offered to share with us from a previous show. Um, but before we do that, I thought of something um, a little while ago, and I wanted to mention it so we didn't forget. And I know that you and your brother, Father Tony, have put together um, a 54-day rosary novena that's coming up, I think, on the Assumption, correct, this Saturday? That's right. Could you tell us a little bit about it so our listeners know more about it? Well, it was really brought um, home to me last night when I got back to my quarters. I've been giving a, a special retreat out here in California. And I got to my quarters. Uh, I don't normally, I don't have television in my rectory in Georgia. And here uh, there is a television. I haven't used it at all the whole weekend. And I just felt um, that I should turn it on for a moment to look at the news. And I was just shocked by the headlines on the news. And I see why so many good people are becoming, you know, concerned and even frightened. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories last night on the Fox News in particular about all these um, these riots everywhere and lawlessness. And it's all being justified as well and even being promoted by some of the governors and mayors. And so things are getting really out of hand. It's becoming a bit of a war. And so this was the inspiration that my good brother, Father Anthony, he's a member of the same religious community. We're from the SALT community, which means the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. We love the Virgin Mary. And all of the men in our community and all of the sisters as well, we are consecrated to the Virgin Mother during our novitiate completely and forever. And of course, the rosary is one of our main weapons. So my little brother in particular, Father Anthony, has had amazing uh, victories by using the 54-day Rosary Novena. Astounding things have happened when he's used this with various parishioners, impossible things. Mm 
And so that was my brother's inspiration, I believe, to try to get a nationwide novena. We'll start this Saturday. And you can look at my brother's explanation and, and my encouragement, too, on the Queen of Peace media on the YouTube. And you'll see both of our, our downloads there about the Rosa Novita and how to pray it. But my good brother, very wise and watching everything and listening and praying, felt that we had to do this. And I had the same inspiration, but not the same way he did. I had it more, you might say, in a spiritual sense, like a, like a word that came to me. And so what we want to do is begin this novena, which is approved by the Church. It's from an approved apparition, actually, of the Virgin Mary more than 100 years ago. And it, it always seems to work. And what we do is you pray one rosary every day for 54 days. And you pray the first half of the novena, the first 27 days, which is nine sets of three. The first 27 days you pray in petition for whatever your intention is. And in this case, we're praying for an end to the violence and for God's blessing on the upcoming presidential election, that we are wise and holy and we choose the right leader. And I would say this, we choose the pro-life leader. There's no other way. We can't choose a leader who would kill our children. And then there's the second set of 27 days where you pray in Thanksgiving, as if you already received what you asked for. Mm-hmm. And you use the traditional mysteries. Not that the luminous mysteries aren't beautiful. They are beautiful, they are holy, they are approved, they are stupendous. But we want to use a novena as revealed from heaven and approved by the Church with an imprimatur. And so that is, we pray the joyful mysteries the first day, then the sorrowful, then the glorious. Then you repeat that, joyful, sorrowful, glorious. You go through that cycle nine times, and that would be 27 days. Then the next day, you begin your 27 days of thanksgiving. And same exact thing, joyful mysteries, then sorrowful, then the glorious, nine sets of those. On Thursdays, my brother and I encourage everyone to also pray a second rosary on Thursdays, which is the day of the Luminous Mysteries. So for those who want to include the Luminous, and I do personally, we can do that on Thursday in addition to the regular rosary of the 54-day Rosary Novena. So 27 days in petition to the beautiful Lord, then 27 days in thanksgiving for stopping the rioting, the violence, protecting people, and for blessing our presidential election that we have wisdom to choose whoever God chooses to be our president. Mm. That's starting this Saturday, August the 15th, the Feast of the Holy Assumption. And by the way, it ends on October the 7th, the Feast of the Most Holy Rosary. Very providential. Oh, it is. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we'll have to remember to start with We encourage everyone to pray with us. Yes, everyone. (laughs) I would say spread the word, too. Yes. Yeah, we will. We'll look forward to starting that on Saturday. So, listeners, now you know what to do. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I know I'm very radical here, but I would say share it with your Protestant friends as well. We need them to help us. So tell them that Rosie's for everyone. So don't be ashamed to share this with Protestant friends and others. Anyone can pray the rosary, and God will heal them if they pray with sincerity. Anyone can pray this novena. Mm-hmm. Great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Father. And, and uh, we'll look forward to starting that on Saturday. We, can, uh, uh, we really appreciate you being with us today. You're always on the go, but... Um, when you're traveling you know, to the other side of the country, I was thinking about it. When's the last time you, you used the phrase, I'm making a long-distance call? <laughs> that's just not something we say anymore. <laughs> but that's, that's what no, we did to true. reach you. <laughs> okay. um, we wanted to go back and, and, uh, and cover a topic from a, from a prior show. And uh, we had talked about the beauty of fatherhood. And, and yet, you know, within that, there are still some children who do not really have a, you know, a positive relationship or, or maybe it's even a negative relationship with their father, and that that can lead to uh, you know a, a, a negative relationship actually with God. So you offered some good advice, but you also mentioned there's actually a process of forgiveness. You called it a four step process that you've been teaching people uh, who who need a way to to instill some forgiveness uh, and 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 ultimately forgive their earthly father. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? And, and for those of us listening, just share the four-step process of forgiveness. 
Sure. Thank you, Jack. A very um, good question. And it's a very uh, insightful question. For me, it was, um, it was perhaps the probing of God's people. Even before I was a priest, the Lord would use me a lot for just for encouraging others and counseling people. People would come to me with their problems. And then as my first year as a priest, I noticed this all the time. Father, how do I forgive? I forgave my mother-in-law 10 years ago, but I still hate her. <laughs> so I know every priest can tell you the same story. I forgave my husband 13 years ago, but I, I still think he's a booger and I can't stand him. What am I doing wrong? Maybe there's more than four steps. So I, <laughs> yes, maybe 84 steps. I don't know. So I began to bring it in prayer to the Holy Spirit. Lord, how do I teach your people how to forgive completely? not just partially. And uh, lo and behold, the Lord began to unravel this for me. And actually, to be honest with you, over a period of four days, he gave me four steps. He gave me one step a day over a period of four days. And the Lord was showing me by the Holy Spirit, these are the things that we must do to really forgive someone utterly and completely. And I would say to, to forgive in a saintly manner. We don't want to forgive partially. We do want to forgive completely as the Lord Jesus did on the cross, shedding not part of his blood, but all of his blood, so that all of my sins could be completely forgiven. So we want to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ in this amazing compassion and mercy that he has. When we forgive, forgive completely. And here is how St. Therese described the forgiveness of Jesus. See, we want the same forgiveness in our lives. But Therese said she was convinced that if she herself, as one single individual, had herself committed all the sins of world history, and especially the mortal sins, she said, if she herself had committed all the mortal sins of every human being who has ever lived from Adam and Eve to the last person who will ever live on the earth, and she herself had done these sins personally, I mean, talking about millions, if not billions, if not trillions of sins, Therese said she knew that if she went to the Lord Jesus with her sins and asked for forgiveness, that her Jesus would not only forgive her, would not only restore her to grace, but would lift her up to a higher place than she ever had to begin with. Hmm. Now this is remarkable and divine forgiveness. In other words, God doesn't just tolerate me when he forgives me. He restores me, he embraces me, he actually rewards me for saying I'm sorry and lifts me to a higher place. And so what comes through here is the stunning generosity of God. And our forgiveness for our spouses, for our family members, for employers, for former teachers, even for maybe priests and nuns who hurt us when we were little, our forgiveness has to be generous. Because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we are the children of the God of love. So we have to be generous children. So the Lord began to teach me these four steps so that you and I could forgive our fathers and others who have hurt us over the years in a generous way, not in a stingy way. God is never stingy. The evil one, he certainly is, but God never is. And so he taught me these steps, and I'll show you the first one. The first one is very, very simple. And know this, too, that we can send a handout to anyone who needs it, and perhaps we could post it on the website there at the Quest. There's a beautiful one-page handout that we've printed up, and we can actually perhaps post it, or people can call my offices for a paper copy of these four steps. Okay. But the first step is very, very easy, very, very simple. And yet for some, it could be the hardest one. The first step is to forgive the one who hurts you with an act of the will. In other words, forgiveness is not something you may feel like doing. It's not exactly a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. It doesn't always feel so wonderful. But I need to make a decision that just as Christ forgave me on the cross, Father, forgive him. He did not know what he was doing. He forgave me and made excuses for me. As the Lord forgave me, I have to forgive my parents and my family, whoever hurt me. And so the first step is pivotal, because without this, nothing else can happen. 
Now, we call this in theology and in moral theology, it's called the elicited act of the will. An elicited act of the will. In other words, the deepest part of every Christian, of every human being, is deep in the soul. It is called the will. And it's the will that makes decisions for our lives. We can feel any way we want to feel. We can think anything we want to think. But it's our decisions that determine who we are. If I think of something evil, I don't need to do it. I can reject it. If I think of something good, I don't need to do it. I could reject that too. In the end, it's my decisions to do something or let things slide, which is another decision. It's my decisions that will make me into a saint or make me, you might say, even into a a demon, so to speak. It's our decisions that determine our lives. Our emotions and our thoughts help us to calculate the right decision. And so here, we make a decision based on what Jesus did for us and on his own words that if we don't have mercy on others, he can't have mercy on us. So I make a decision in my will. I forgive you, let's say, for instance, my dad. I forgive you, dad, in the name of Jesus Christ, now and forever. I forgive you, spouse, in the name of Jesus. I don't care what you've done or why you did it. I still forgive you. You were cruel, perhaps, to me or to my children. I forgive you. I make a decision. Come what may, I will follow Christ. I will not follow the evil one. I will not follow the path of anger or bitterness or resentment. I hereby, with the freedom God has won for me, given to me and my soul, with my free will, I don't care what you've done, I'm going to forgive you forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Period. That's an elicited act of the will. And all forgiveness begins there with a decision. And it can be very difficult indeed, because I've seen some um, terrible things I've encountered in my life where I have to forgive. Like in one member of my family was beat up by her husband on their wedding night. Mm. He beat her up mm. physically on her wedding night. One of the members of my family, I have a large family, and that was something horrific and terrifying. And I had to forgive this in-law for what he did to my relative. That wasn't easy because he almost killed her. Mm. We have to figure no matter what it is, and I say this on purpose so that the good people will know that I'm speaking about things from experience and from what I myself have encountered. So we have to be real when we preach, when we teach, we have to be real. And so this is very important. Pope Paul VI, saintly Pope Paul VI, said that the world today doesn't really need teachers. The world today needs witnesses. And if she has teachers, the teachers must also be witnesses. Those are the words of St. Pope Paul VI. And so this is something that I've seen in my own life and that I know how important it is. I can't live in bitterness and anger and hatred towards anyone, anyone. God has forgiven me. I'm going to forgive you no matter what. That's the first step. Any questions, team, on that? That's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear. That's a big first step. It's right. pretty clear. Yeah, it's a big one. And, you know, Jackie, you may have to pray a special prayer before you even try it. Let's say that maybe there's somebody who, maybe there's like a murder. There was, there was been one in my family. And yet you have to forgive a murderer. See, I'm talking from reality here. Can you forgive the murderer? You bet you can. You certainly can. You can forgive anyone. With God's power, you can do it. But how do you do it? Well, if you're having trouble approaching it, then you want to say some prayer that works for you. The two most powerful ones I find that you can do in your own living room would be the Rosary of the Virgin Mary. I mean, listen listen to this. Mama was at Calvary. The Virgin Mary was at Calvary when the Roman soldiers stripped her son, beat him silly, crucified him, spat on him, and murdered him in front of her. And then her own people, the Jewish people, her, their blood relatives, her own people were there taunting her son as he died innocently. And not even for one second did the Virgin Mary have hatred, anger, or bitterness towards them. How is this possible? Only with the Holy Spirit, only with God's grace. That's what we call her full of grace. Mary was full of grace and full of compassion. 
She will share that compassion with you, dear listeners. She will share it with you and I. Mama will give me the strength and the love she had to forgive the men who were killing her son as they killed him. She forgave them. This woman is incredible. And that's why the whole world will one day soon wake up to the glory of the Mother of God. But Mary's rosary is a chief instrument because Mama knows what it's like to forgive, to be wounded, to be offended, to even deal with murder in her immediate family and still forgive. And so I would recommend we pray a rosary or two or three or more for Mary's grace to forgive the one who hurt me. That should really be enough. If you need a second suggestion, I would say the blood of Jesus prayer approved by the church. The little one-line prayer has a deliverance power. To say that one-line prayer also is very efficacious because if there's anything spiritual that's blocking me from forgiveness, there could be a spirit of unforgiveness in my family. There could be a, a spirit of bitterness, a spirit of anger, a spirit of hatred in my family, a spirit of revenge. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There could be some spiritual, you might say, potencies in me or around me. Spiritual realities, even demons, that are locking me in unforgiveness. I want to tell you what. You pray that Holy Rosary, and you pray the blood of Jesus, they will leave. And you'll find yourself suddenly more open to forgiving. When these powers are dismissed from my presence... And I say the rosary and the blood of Jesus. And here's the blood of Jesus prayer, by the way. It's one line. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Save us and the whole world. That's an anointed and approved prayer that actually drives evil away from me. And so, team, I'm going to say it with you five times because I, I like participation. I like the good people to be doing what we're saying at the same time. And because I'd like to say it with you, because in case there's any spirit of unforgiveness in my heart, that the blood of Jesus will chase it out of me, to all of our listeners listening, wherever you are, to chase it away from you and I, so that I am free to forgive. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you know, Father, since you are a ways away and we may have a little bit of a delay, perhaps we will follow you verse by verse. Okay, so could you lead us? And then we'll follow? Yes. Okay. What I'll do then is, is um, I'm going to say, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us in the whole world, and then you say it after me. Is that okay? Okay. Yes. Okay. We're going to do it five times in a row for God to protect us from any unforgiving spirit. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. And again, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Amen. Alleluia. Amen. Alleluia. Um, now, that's a little refreshing. I feel better already. How about you all? <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. We do. And we've, we've done it enough that by now our listeners know the prayer. So that's great. Very good. It's a good one to say every day. I said it early this morning, 250 times already earlier. And I'll say it again at lunchtime another 250 times. Of course, mm-hmm. of course here in California, it's only 1124 here. <laughs> that prayer is always... <laughs> That prayer is always efficacious. So remember that if you're having trouble getting to the table to forgive, pray the Holy Rosary, because Mama will give you her compassionate heart. And pray to the blood of Jesus, anything evil will be driven away from you. Don't even be afraid of it. Don't even talk to it. Just say that prayer, and it will leave. 
And so the first sign of forgiveness has to do with deciding. And we can do it. We can do it. We have free will. And with the help of Our Lady and the blood of her Son, our free will is truly free, is activated. Mm. But then there's a second step. And the second step, to be honest with you, in a way is my favorite one. To me, it's so beautiful. It's like having cake and now having ice cream. The second step. And it's called the step of blessing. And this was really revelatory for me as a very young man when the Lord first showed me these steps. Now, I confess, I should have known it already. If we read our Holy Bible, this is right square there in sacred scripture. And what is that? The Bible tells you and I to return a blessing for a curse. To return a blessing for a curse. Never to return a curse for a curse. You see, that's not God's way. We don't return curses for curses. So, for instance, if my daddy has rejected me, that's a curse. Indeed, it's a curse. It breaks my heart in two. And very frequently, the demonic realm will attack me when I'm down and have me grovel in self-hatred. That's a type of curse when someone you love rejects you. And indeed, if they curse at you, that is a curse. That's called a word curse. And it can be very, very powerful, especially if somebody in authority over me curses me, my mother, my father. Maybe if I was a woman, my husband, who's the head of the family, if he cursed me. If I was a little boy and my big brother cursed me. Perhaps if my employer cursed me, my teacher cursed me. See, that's a word curse coming from someone in authority who should be using their lips to bless you, but instead they curse you. Mm-hmm. Well, this is nothing less than diabolical, you see. Mm-hmm. We've all experienced it. What we have to do is reverse all of that. When someone has cursed me in any way, first I decide to forgive them, whatever they curse me with a word curse or with the actions of their lives. But second, I need to bless them. And this is the crucial point, you see, because this is where the ice on the iceberg in my heart begins to melt. When I bless the one who hurt me. And the Bible tells us that when we give a blessing, it should be rich and bounteous, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. So I bless the one who hurt me with a great blessing, not a small blessing. And what does it mean to bless someone? Well, we want for that person all that God wants for them. So when someone has hurt me, I don't want them to end up condemned. I don't want them to end up in hell. And how many times have we heard even Christians say, I hope he goes to H-E-L-L. Or why don't you go to H-E-L-L. Beloved, this is satanic. This is not godly. So we don't want to wish them hell. We want to wish them heaven. Mm -hmm. So if my dad has wounded me, I say, Lord, get my dad to heaven. He's a rascal, but get him there anyway. (laughs) I forgive him and I bless him. You see, that's the, the way of blessing is what do you bless people for? First, to get to heaven. That's the most important thing, that everyone will make it to heaven. And yes, even if somebody murdered someone that I know, I do not want them in hell, even for a second. I want them to be forgiven and to be blessed, to be healed and restored. And yes, maybe they should do reparation for their sin, but I don't want anyone going to hell, not even one person, no one, not even an evil world leader. I would rather pray for them to be saved. I remember when one world leader was caught, Saddam Hussein, and he was tried. Of course, he was guilty, truly guilty, of murdering countless of his own countrymen and children and women. Uh, His behavior was something terrible, to put it mildly. And I remember he was on trial, and they found him guilty, and he was just arguing all the way to finally he was found guilty. And then they led him downstairs to the, of the courthouse uh, a day or two later. He was found guilty and convicted to be hung. Well, I mean, if truth be told, he deserved it, yes. I mean, capital punishment is not a sin. If it's done correctly, capital punishment is perfectly proper under the right circumstances. And yet, I did not want him to go to hell for what he did. And I remember seeing this on television. I couldn't watch the execution. That, to me, was not anything that should even be broadcast. 
I think they were broadcasting it. But as they walked him down the steps, my, my mother and I were watching the news. My mom and I knelt down on the floor. I said, Mom, help me to pray. And Mom and I knelt down in front of the television as they brought Saddam Hussein downstairs to this noose that was hanging there. We turned off the television a second later because we did not want to see any of that. But I said, Mama, and my mom agreed with me. And here's what my mom used to say all the time. He was once somebody's little baby. He was once somebody's little baby. Something went horribly wrong. And I read about Saddam Hussein. And I know one thing that went horribly wrong is that he was abused by his father brutally and physically from the time he was a tiny little boy, even locked in a closet for hours at a time when his father would tell him at the age of five that crocodiles would come in and eat him alive. This poor little boy was brutalized and terrorized by his own father and physically beaten as well. Well, you know what? If that had happened to me, maybe I would be Saddam, Saddam Hussein number two. If that had happened to me. And so we have to give people a little space, but to give them mercy and compassion. When people do hateful and evil things, there's oftentimes a reason. Not that it's a right reason, but there's a compelling interest behind them. Something is pushing them. And so Mom and I knelt down, turned off the television, and we prayed that he would be forgiven and somehow be saved. And I won't go into all the details right now, but I received a sign a moment later, that indeed God had heard our prayer and that God had touched him with a special grace so he could at least begin to repent. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, it's time for a quick break, Father. So we're going to have to run to a quick break, but we'll be back with more from Heaven's Light with Father Jim Blunt. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Abby Johnson used to manage the largest Planned Parenthood facility in the United States. One day, she was asked to fill in while a physician performed an ultrasound-guided abortion. She was shocked to see the baby moving away from the doctor's surgical instruments. After seeing this, Abby realized telling mothers that their baby was just a blob of tissue was a lie. This was a living human being trying not to get torn apart in their mother's womb. Seeing the reality of abortion changed Abby and she was never the same. The truth not only motivated her to leave Planned Parenthood, but to also become an activist in the pro-life movement. Abby started the ministry, and then there were none, to help abortion workers like herself leave the industry with financial and emotional support. Be like Abby, and boldly share the truth about abortion. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. AM 1160 The Quest is listening to you, too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on The Quest, and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth and hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com. Please join us in a parent's prayer to St. Monica. St. Monica, patron of Christian mothers, we entrust to your protection the children whose names you can read in our hearts. Pray for them that they may be granted strength to combat weakness, give them victory over temptations, guidance to resolve their doubts, and success in all their undertakings. May they enjoy health of mind and body, see beauty and worth in all created things, and serve the Lord with firm faith, joyful hope, and enduring love. Amen. Welcome back, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160 The Quest. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, and Jack Tyson. And on the phone, we have Father Jim Blunt with us again today. And this hour, we've been talking about the four steps to forgiveness. Father, you were telling us about the second step blessing, and you kind of had us in the palm of your hands with a, a story about Saddam Hussein, and I think you were going to wrap that up for us and tell us a little bit more about the blessing process. 
Thank you. Yes, you know, blessing, I find in a way, is the most important step. Because what blessing does, when I bless my enemy, it releases my heart from poison. It's like puncturing an infected wound to get the pus out. When I bless the one who hurt me, then the emotions of anger and hatred and bitterness leave. In other words, it's impossible to bless somebody and to hate them at the same time. It's impossible. You can only do one thing at a time. And so if I bless my enemy, uh, suddenly uh, they become less threatening to me. As I bless them to become heavenly, to become joyful, suddenly they're not a threat to me anymore. It's more manageable. It becomes more human and less monstrous. And so blessing the person has a great advantage for us because it heals my emotions. The first step heals my will. I make a decision no matter what. I may have to pray the rosary in the blood of Jesus to make a free decision to do what the Lord did and to do what he wants me to do. The second step heals my heart. It heals my emotions. So instead of wishing someone would go to somewhere they shouldn't go to, H-E-L-L, in fact, we wish they go to heaven. Not just wish it, we will it. Lord, bring uh, my oppressor to heaven one day. And I did ask the good Lord when he was giving me this step, Lord, what's a, what's a practical way, too, to think about this? What does it really mean to bless my enemy? And the Lord, he showed me something that at the moment he showed me was kind of mind-blowing. But he said to me, you must wish for them and will for them the gift of joy. Pray for the one who hurts you, who perhaps betrayed you, even raped you. Pray for this person to be led somehow from a life of misery and sadness to a life of holy joy. Wow! When God said that, I no way! I'm going to punch him out! No way! And the Lord said, no, 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 no. You wish them joy. You wish them joy, because that was my mission, he said. I've come that you might have joy and have it to the full. Who to have joy? Sinners to have joy. The Lord came for sinners to have joy. And who are sinners? They are people who hurt one another. So everyone needs to be forgiven, and everyone needs to forgive. The Lord died that all could have joy. And so the Lord actually blew all my circuits on that one. But I knew that he was right. It, could, it couldn't be true otherwise. We couldn't be wishing uh, sadness on other people or misery. We have to will for them joy. So when the person who hurt me, I pray for their joy, suddenly, by the way, they're no longer frightening to me. This is like my, my little son or my little daughter, and I want them to have joy. It changes the relationship interiorly immediately. And the Lord also showed me, he said, beware of this, that many of my children, when they pray this kind of blessing, they only pray for a partial blessing. They don't pray for a full blessing of joy. And so they'll say, Lord, you know, Uncle Harry hurt me many years ago, and I forgive him today, and I bless him. But you know, Lord, that limp he has on his left foot, please let him keep that limp for the rest of his life. <laughs> we sort of bless that way, you see. Or my, say, my Aunt Molly, she hurt me, she screamed at me. And Lord, I forgive Aunt Molly, and I bless her. But Lord, you know that acne she has all over her face? Let her keep the acne till the day she dies. And we do things like that. We bless partially. It's really not very nice. It's not very generous. So remember, when you bless the one who hurts you, bless him as Jesus blessed you and me. We don't deserve heaven. He forgave me on the cross with his precious blood. He restored me. He opened the gates of heaven for me and even made it possible for me to become a saint, even to become a great saint. To a miserable sinner who had offended him, he gave me everything and more. And so when we bless the one who hurt us, we do the same thing. Wish for them eternal life, wish for them joy in this life, and ask God, yes, if they need healing, Lord, give them healing. Maybe it's an alcoholic who's been really cruel to you. Ask God to heal their alcoholism. But don't do it this way. God, heal that dirty alcoholic. Don't do it that way. Say, Lord, my uncle's an alcoholic and he hurt me. Please bring him to health and to joy. I can't wait to rejoice with him one day forever in heaven. You forgave me, and I forgive him. You blessed me, Papa, and I'm going to, I'm going to bless my uncle. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
So that's the second step, guys. It's very, it's very childlike. It's, it's crucial to bless the one who hurt you in any way. That's God's way. It will heal them, but will heal you and I as well. Mm-hmm. It's proof that we're forgiven. We now go probably, to the third step, okay? Yeah, okay. go over to number three, um, and we're. Um, we may run a little short on time in the in the second half here, Father, but uh, we are all ears. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jack. It's it's kind of a, a beautiful thing, a deep process. Mm-hmm. And this third step, um, I call this one the saintly step. This is the step that helps me to transition from just forgiving in a good and healthy human way, in a Christ-like way, to bring in my forgiveness of my enemy to a saintly level, a higher level. You could say this is what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls, is this next step. And this is only for those who really want to forgive utterly and completely with no lingering resentment. And it's a mystical step. And what is that step? It's called thanksgiving, that I must begin to thank God for my wounds that I was wounded by Papa or someone else, and it would hurt me deeply, maybe even almost killed me. And yet, now that I've forgiven Papa and I've blessed him, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing, I now begin to see everything in a new light. And I thank God for what he allowed in my life. Because God's holy will is both causative and permissive. And what that means is, there are some things in my life that God causes. He brings these beautiful blessings into my life, sometimes even unasked for. There's other things in my life that he doesn't cause, but he may permit. It is permissive will. Maybe someone else did it, but God allowed it. God has a way of protecting me day and night, day and night. But every now and then a wound comes through that knocks me silly. God, though, in his providence, has a reason for this, you see. No one becomes a saint on cheesecake and ice cream. No one. (laughs) If you're like me, you become a saint on broccoli and rutabagas. (laughs) They're not exactly my favorite. But sainthood, there's a little bit of sacrifice involved in becoming a saint. And a little time on your knees and not always sitting, right? (laughs) There you go. Well, with this, this step of thanksgiving, that I begin to acknowledge that there's a reason why God allowed me in some way to be heard. And, of course, many Christians will reject this immediately, will scream against it. And it always makes me kind of sad, and I understand it completely, you see. Because here's the thing, because I'm a sinner too. I want to believe that I am pristine perfect. You see, that I am God's gift to the world. How dare you offend me? Who are you to offend moi, me? (laughs) Give me a break. We're all sinners. We're all fallen sinners. And sometimes when I get hurt, it brings that to the fore. One of the things that happens to me when I get hurt is I begin to realize that I'm not God. See, God is perfect. He's in every way. He's well-protected. If I can be hurt and I can't be healed on my own, that means I need to reach out for someone else. I need help. Who needs help? Creatures need help, not the creator, the creature. So when I get hurt, it reminds me that I'm not God. And so many of us have this idea that we are perfect in every way. And how dare this person hurt me? Me? Don't you realize I'm God's gift? I'm the saint of all saints. How can you hurt me? Well... You see, when you think that way, you don't really know yourself. This is the teachings of all the saints, all of them, without exception. And if you want a little book that would help you, get a copy of The Imitation of Christ by St. Thomas Akimpis. Thomas Akimpis, The Imitation of Christ. You begin to have like a little bit of self-knowledge. That in, in fact, we need these wounds in our lives. And I sure needed such wounds in my life. And I went through a terrible time when I was younger of feeling rejected by my father. My father was a lawyer and a judge. He was a big man, a strong man, an intelligent man. I would say a good man. But my father had a rough childhood himself. And so he didn't quite know how to relate to us as kids. Because his childhood was really disrupted. 
in a terrible way. He went through a, a terrible struggle with his own father. So he could not give to myself and my siblings what he himself had never received, and that is gentle and affirming love. And he was kind of rough. He, of course, he was a judge, and he was in the Navy at one time as a Navy jet fighter pilot. He was quite a strong man. He was a Golden Gloves boxer in the Navy. I mean, he was a champion boxer. So when my dad said, jump, you said, how high, sir? How high? Mm-hmm. He was strong. He was a good man in many ways. He truly was, and I love my dad. But he didn't realize it, but he was killing me. He didn't realize it. He was wounding me, and it got so bad at one point that I was almost suicidal in college because of the loneliness that he put me through and the lack of affirmation and love. It was a terrible thing. God rescued me. He rescued me. But you know, I think if it had not been for the the terrible pain and sorrow and loneliness that I went through, I never would have looked totally upwards to God to seek his help and thereby know his reality. That's why Jesus said, Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it shall not have life within. Well, the seed is my soul. And my soul fell to the ground and was stomped on. And because of that, it awakened me to the reality of the Heavenly Father. He actually reached down and saved me. And I do have a beautiful little story about this on the YouTube about the shooting stars that God sent me miraculously when I was in college, how he saved me even through nature. But I began to know the absolute reality, the beauty, and the goodness of God. Here's what I began to realize. If it had not been for the way I was treated, I don't think God caused it. I think God permitted it. I want to tell you something, Tim. I'll tell you a secret now on national radio. I'm a big, fat sinner. I am a horrible sinner. If it had not been for God, I'd have been worse than Saddam Hussein. I'd have been arrogant and egotistical, cruel and selfish and mean. I come from an Italian background. I probably would have been the head of the mafia by now, (laughs) of all the mafia in this country, to be honest with you. I'm just being honest, you see, Uh that we don't realize how sinful we really are. God gave me a glimpse of that. If it wasn't for my beautiful father, I would have gone through life like a mafioso, thinking that I was God, you see? But God, in his mercy, allowed me to be crushed so I could wake up and see there is a God, and it's not me. It's not my dad. It's a true God, and he's beautiful. And so to this day, I even thank God for my wound. It's the wound that saved me. The wound has enabled me to bring God's healing in sometimes stunning and miraculous ways to thousands and thousands of people all over the world. Why? Because I've been through it. And God made me realize that the, the bigger the wound, the bigger the blessing. That's why Teresa of Avila said that if we make it to heaven and when we make it to heaven, we will only thank God for all eternity about one aspect of our human life, of our earthly life. And what is that? Teresa said it will not be the charismatic gifts that you had. It will not be your education. It won't even be your relationships, even within the church. It won't be your honors, your gifts, or your rewards. Teresa Pavela said the one thing you will praise God forever ecstatically in heaven will be your crosses. Really? Crosses, you see. Yes, that's what Teresa, doctor of the church, said to us. The crosses are a valuable jewel. That's why Rose of Lima, St. Rose of Lima from Peru, said, I would go through the whole world proclaiming in all the city squares, love the cross, embrace the cross. It is studded with jewels. Love your cross and kiss it. It is your salvation. Mm. Everyone who's been through this, and if you read the lives of the saints, There's no saints who got there through, again, cheesecake and ice cream. All the saints went through terrible sufferings. But those terrible sufferings are terribly wondrous at the same time. And so the third step is to begin thanking God for what he allowed. And I even thank my persecutor. So one of mine was my dad. He didn't do it on purpose. He was clobbered as a child. Daddy, he's in heaven now, and God let me see him once in heaven. But I said, Daddy, I love you. And my dad is nodding at me. Yes, I know. Daddy, I love you, and I thank you. I know you didn't do it on purpose, but I thank you for being God's instrument 
for crushing my sinful ego and waking me up to the reality of the goodness and the greatness and the love of God. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. You saved my life. Amen. Wow. Wow. Amen. See, that's, that's maturity, I know. I guess. But let's go for it. Let's go for it. Yeah. And, and I'll give you an idea, guys. The Eucharist is the food of maturity. So if you want the grace to thank the one who hurt you, go to Mass this week, and you ask Jesus in the Eucharist, Lord, give me maturity. Give me the grace to even thank the one who was your instrument in bringing me finally to humility and to sanctity. Father God, through the body and blood of Jesus, your Son, give me maturity, give me a spirit of thanksgiving. What does St. Paul said? Rejoice in the Lord always. In all things, he says, give thanks. I'm, I'm just quoting the Bible. This isn't my doctrine. This is God's doctrine. And all things give thanks. Or if my papa slapped me, yes, give thanks. God has allowed it for a reason. He's perfecting you to make you a saint, like Thomas Aquinas or Francis of Assisi or like John Paul or like Mother Teresa. He's making you into a saint. Give thanks to God. And when Dad starts to say, Dad, here's the other cheek. Slap that one too. Hmm. That's the way of a saint. That's God a, will give you and I that grace. That's a big one, Father. This is a big one. This number three is really a big one. Yeah, how God uses our wounding and all of this to bring about not only, you know, our holiness, our, our healing, but our holiness. And, you know, we really have to be sincere in the process for it to be real, right? We have to be sincere. And I'm assuming that for this to really be effective, God knows. Yes. God knows our heart and our intent, right? So this is all assuming that we're truly sincere about wanting to forgive the person and to thank God for this wound so we can grow. Yes. Is that right? I mean, yes, you know, we don't want to stay little babies forever. Mm -hmm. St. Paul said, you know, you, you were weaned, get weaned off of milk and go now for solid food. Let's not stay babies forever. God is completely in control. If he allows me to be wounded because he knows there's a poisonous place in my heart, it needs to be cut open so the poison can be drained. It can be filled now with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And so the prayer that we say is, I thank you, Lord, and I thank you, Dad, for the wound that heals. I know this takes maturity, but my goodness, that's our call. We're called to be mature. Maturity means sanctity. We're called to be mature. And by the way, who wants to live in, in fear or under the shadow of that wound forever? No. I love my dad now more than ever before. I really do love him. I know he made a mistake. Well, I make mistakes too. So if God can forgive me, I can forgive my dad. And so I love my dad even more now, how God used him to help me. And it's true, every wound is at the moment it happens, what the Bible says, at the moment that this one's given to you, it doesn't feel very nice. But in the end, it yields a rich harvest. And so pray for that grace to thank God, because God is truly in control. We are not perfect, and we need these, uh, we call them wounds, I would, I would call them medications. We need these medications to heal us. Mm. Alleluia. Hallelujah. So, you know, in the beginning of, of the uh, show, we were talking about the impact of, you know, maybe our fathers on how we see God the Father. And you've just really taken us full circle with looking at your father and how we can look at at all this and the the wounds that we receive in life and, and how we can give it back to God. This has just been wonderful. And I, I know you have one more step for us, but we are getting ready to close and we really want to make sure we get a great prayer from you today. So would you like to do the last step perhaps uh, in the next episode so that we can give it its full due and and not rush it. We've, we've got about two minutes left. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I think it's, the last step is so joyful. It's so mind-blowingly joyful. It might be better to wait for next week. Hold everybody in suspense. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. It's like the icing on the cake. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> it will take you into, you might say, to mystical joy. The last mm -hmm. step is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And should I give them a peak preview or just wait till next week? To That's that? up to you. A preview in about 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, a peak tree of you would be this, dear brothers and sisters, give praise to God is the fourth step of forgiveness. The third one, I, I thank my dad for my for God allowed. But now the fourth step is I praise God directly. I leave all earthly realms. You might say that I enter heaven, and I bow down and worship before God, and I praise Him for being the Lord of my life. Because you know why? He allowed me to be hurt, knowing that I would be mad at him for maybe 45 years. I hate you, God. I hate you, God. I hate you, God. And God didn't do any of it. But I hate him and I blame him. And he risked my disfavor to save my soul, is what he did. He risked my disfavor, my hating him for 45 years, in order to save me forever. He punished me in order to save me. So, God, you really do love me, don't you? You put up with me hating you for all these years while you were saving my soul eternally. You alone are good. You alone are great. You alone are wise. And I praise you forever for what you've done in my life. You are king. You are father. You are greatness itself. You loved me and you saved me. And I will praise you forever and ever and ever, Lord. I love you. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. After hearing the 45-second version, you definitely have to come back next week for the full version of part four of forgiveness. So, Father, could you lead us in a closing prayer? Yes. Uh, Today is the feast day of of St. Clair. And um, one of her beautiful writings, I read a sentence from a beautiful letter that she once wrote. And this is like kind of a prayer for us. St. Clair wrote this. It really fits in perfectly with these four steps, and especially the fourth step of praising God. Happy, indeed, is the one who is granted a place at the divine banquet. For he or she may cling with her inmost heart to him whose beauty eternally awes the blessed host of heaven. To him whose love inspires love, whose contemplation refreshes, whose generosity satisfies, whose gentleness delights, whose memory shines sweetly as the dawn. To him, Jesus, whose fragrance revives the dead. O Father God, through the prayers of Mary, Joseph, and St. Clair, revive the dead parts of our hearts today. Whatever's lingering in unforgiveness and bitterness and even hatred, forgive us, O Lord, and revive us to new life, the life of forgiveness and love, thanksgiving, and joy forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with with your spirit. spirit. May God bless you and all of our beloved listeners with perfect forgiveness and holy joy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Jim, and thank you, everyone, for listening to your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Eucharist is the most personal encounter of Jesus we can ever experience. Scientists say it literally changes your brainwaves for 15 to 20 minutes. You have the gift of Jesus, body and soul, in the most intimate way possible. It's heart-pounding. Invite a friend this Sunday. Just say, meet me at Mass. The Quest presents Lesser Known Saints with Ken and Chuck. Born in Tours, France in the year 370, St. Bryce was an orphan who was raised by St. Martin of Tours. Although known for being vain, overly ambitious, and short-tempered, St. Martin remained patient with him. Eventually, Bryce would experience a drastic change of heart and would go on to secede Martin as Bishop of Tours. Once he was ordained Bishop, Bryce would unfortunately return to his old ways, becoming steeped in secularism, vanity, and vice. Bryce was exiled to Rome, and in the seven years he spent there, he repented and underwent a thorough change in his lifestyle. St. Bryce was eventually reinstated as Bishop of Tours and ruled with such humility and holiness, people adored and respected him long before his death. 
His feast day is November 13th, and he is the patron saint of stomach aches and ailments. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is the home of listener-supported Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest, WCFO, East Point, Atlanta. Atlanta. 